Carla, and welcome to Spirituality Matters, a podcast that focuses on the intersection of spirituality and humanity. So let's settle in and find that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are. And let us be reminded that the Holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. And Gabriel says hi. (laughs) Jump up as I started this. Okay, let's get started. The episode is entitled Lead with Love. And this podcast is inspired by my blog post for this week that you can find at revcarla.com. The subtitle is 10 Ways to Lead and Live a Life Guided by Love. Okay, so I had the honor a couple of weeks ago of being interviewed by Jalan Johnson, who has a podcast called Not Your Ordinary Parts. And during that our pre-interview time, he said something to me. He said, I just want to lead with love. And I've heard that phrase before, but it was the way he had said it that really stuck with me. And I wrote it down knowing that I was eventually going to be doing a blog about it because um, how I came to uh, meet Jalan is actually a story in and of itself because I don't try to hide the fact that I do have help with my social media accounts. It's, it's not an uncommon practice for creators with larger accounts to have assistance with helping managing the comments, posting the content, and specifically in my case, the direct messages, because a lot of what I talk about oftentimes touches people so deeply that they will reach out to me in direct messages. But soon I found myself recognizing and realizing that to try to stay on top of this all by myself was unsustainable. I found myself waking up very early or staying up way too late. um, And it was taking a toll on me to try to respond to every one of these hundreds and sometimes thousands of comments and messages and emails. So it was a difficult decision, but I also knew that to be able to help as many people as possible, I was going to have to have met help mess managing my messages. There we go. So I rarely go directly into my back offices uh, because it's, again, it's something that I have to protect myself from. And what, what ends up happening is sometimes people just have a question about a phrase or a term and they want to thank me and that's all easy to take care of. But sometimes then the ones that get through to me are the ones of people asking specific questions. And I do answer those as best I can. But one day I just happened to be on uh, social media and I saw Jalan's message come in asking if I would be on his podcast. And there was something intriguing. His message was so kind and so thoughtful. And it was obvious that he had been paying attention enough to my content to really know how my content was going to enrich his followers. And so uh, we soon developed a virtual friendship through a, a couple of our exchanges. And I have so enjoyed watching his content and watching him grow and develop into his his content for his followers and the kind of person that I can tell that he is. So I, it was an honor to be interviewed by him. But when I thought about this concept of leading with love, I just felt like the time was right to talk about this because there's so much going on in the world. There's so much pain. There's so much 
hatred and vitriol. There's so many challenges. So many people are struggling. I know sometimes I stop and think about the loss I've dealt with lately. And I, you know, I keep that stuff pretty internal. I did do a couple of videos on it and how that has impacted me and some other things that I don't share publicly. And then I look out and I see the other things that people are also dealing with. This is just a high season of stress and struggles and compound that with so many people, especially people of the historically oppressed groups who are constantly being barraged by hate and judgment and people who want to just suffocate their right to exist. This is just a painful season that we're in and it's not going to end anytime soon. This is where we are in our point in our time in life. And it's going to be up to us to show up as advocates and allies to get to get through this time. So leading with love, leading a life, being guided by love, because especially for those of us who came from a high controlled religion where love was conflated to be submission, obedience, silence, sacrificially giving of yourself it to a cause, namely your church sacrificially giving your resources to your church. You had this weird relationship with the word love and love often meant that you were, you had to give of yourself to the point that you no longer recognized who you were. And so this is almost a way this time we have here together with this podcast and in the writing was more about understanding that you don't have to change who you are. And you don't have to carve out such huge chunks of yourself that you are exhausted, that you don't recognize yourself anymore to be able to lead with love. Love has boundaries. Love has morals. Love has ethics. Love has self-preservation as its beacon. There's nothing wrong with you keeping your seat at the table as you show up in your life with love. So I wanted to spend a a little time talking about some of the great wisdom teachers from the past and the things that they have said about love in hopes that you understand that oftentimes we are afraid to show up in all the entirety of our lives with love as our beacon because of our misunderstanding of what love is. Sure, we, we save it for our inner circle, but we can show up with love as I offer love in this podcast to you in a way to help you on your healing and spiritual journey. It's different levels of love. It's different meanings of love, but all in all, we never lose our seat at the table. We hold on to our morals and our ethics and our values and our beliefs. And so that it's almost like an ebb and flow as we learn to understand how we integrate this this concept of leading with love. So of course, the first teacher that, and I wrote about this in the blog, is who, who taught about love, the importance of leading or living in love, uh, is Jesus, who in John 13, 34, was quoted as saying, a new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Okay. Now I want to talk about this because how do you love someone that you don't agree with? How can you lose yourself or not lose yourself by being in some kind of relationship or debate or dialogue with that person? Well, first of all, sometimes that you shouldn't, 
if you're depending on where you are on your healing journey, because I'll have people oftentimes ask me, how do I say this to this person who's so toxic towards me? How do I say this, this person who says I'm going to hell? If you're asking someone how to say something that might be a cue that you're not quite ready to use your voice and going no contact is the most loving thing that you can do for yourself. Remember leading with love includes yourself. It's not about giving, suppressing the things that you need and giving of yourself sacrificially. We're not living like that anymore. That's an old indoctrinated belief that really for many of us exhausted us and left us with huge feelings of guilt and lack of self-worth and often confusion because we just didn't understand how this was supposed to be loving and how this kind of existence was supposed to be joy-filled. And oftentimes we were taught that that's actually suffering in this life is good because we're moving for the good of the whole, which gets us to the kingdom of heaven, right? So if we can turn our eyes away from our suffering here, because we've got a greater reward on the other side, that is absolute nonsense. Our spirituality first and foremost is how we show up in this life, including our lives. So when Jesus says, I, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Well, Jesus modeled moving away from people to restore himself. Jesus modeled using his voice to condemn those who were using corrupt practices to continue to oppress the historically oppressed. Jesus knew what it meant to go into a time of deep contemplation, and he modeled that for us. So it's never about losing our seat at, at, at the table. So we love those as we love ourselves. Now that, again, if depending on where we are on our healing journey, how you, how you get into dialogue with people who don't believe like you or people who are actively working to dismantle systems, democratic systems that are harming the historically oppressed, your work might be in the back scenes if you are at a point on your healing journey where you do not have those words. Okay, so also the Apostle Paul writes about love and living in love. So let's look at Colossians 3.14. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, in this, again, that's Colossians 3.14. Paul is emphasizing that love is the unifying force that brings all virtues together, promoting harmony and unity among believers. Okay. So that's another thing that we can, a beacon that we can use in our own lives, because if someone isn't showing up virtuous, so a virtuous would mean somebody who wants to bring their ethics and their integrity to the table for the good of the whole. But if someone's showing up to oppress and silence and demand obedience based on a toxic patriarchal structure, they are not showing up virtuously. So see, again, we have this, this weird relationship with concepts of love, forgiveness, gratitude, all of these things. And love is one of those. So if the person who is showing up is not showing up with that same kind of virtue that you're bringing, you're not going to have a harmonious relationship. That person does not have the right to silence your voice or it or demand that something about your being changed based on their beliefs. That's not show. They're not showing up in love. So 
that type of caring that you can have for that person is limited. It doesn't mean that you have to wish them ill will or curse them or, you know, we, we want to be really careful about how we disagree with those people because oftentimes the language that we use for those that we disagree with are more of a reflection of who we are than who they are. Now, I want you to hear what I just said and don't put words in my mouth. I am not one who gatekeeps someone's ability to cuss. You've never heard me in the back office of my meetings because I am a cusser. I am not me. I that was something that was made very clear to me in seminary that there's a spiritual connectivity with the power of words, especially those words that were taught to us as being damning. As, as showing you as having a weak spirit. That's absolute nonsense. And oftentimes that's another patriarchal tool that is used to control the way you show up in the world. That's what it is. And oftentimes we, you will hear people say, I am speaking truth and I am speaking something that's right. But the person that I'm asking, that I'm demanding accountability from will say, mind your language. You need to be more respectful, which is a deflection from what I'm actually saying because they want to control how I'm saying it. So I'm not talking about cussing in a way that gives you power, that releases something in inside you that gives you the energy. Now, I'm not saying you should be cussing, insulting words towards another person. Never say the C word to a woman. Never say the N word to a, a black person. That is insulting and degrading. I'm talking about words that are used to emphatically express the passion in which you are speaking. So that just let's, let's get that off the table. I know it kind of went down a rabbit hole here, but when I'm talking about holding someone accountable can still be done through words uh, with power and you can still use those words and that can still be coming from a place of love, but it doesn't mean that we're conflating what love actually means in a relationship with somebody where it's mutual, where they too have your best interest at heart. Again, we have this weird, crazy relationship with all the different ways that we have been taught about love. And this is an opportunity to deconstruct from that and learn that you can plant yourself in a place, in a firm that you want to live and lead with love. And it does not have to look sacrificial. And it does not have to mean that you give of yourself so selflessly that you are exhausted. That's not what it means. So let's continue on. In uh, the Buddha has written several things about what it means to be, to live in love or to lead with love. So the Buddha means the awakened one. In case you haven't studied anything about Buddhism, but it, uh, Buddha, the Buddha was a spiritual teacher who we know achieved enlightenment under the Bodhi tree. And from that awareness and that enlightenment, he understood that this cycle of suffering uh, that we have in in our lived experiences, when we when we understand that we embrace that as part of the human experience, we are released from its chains on us. It doesn't mean that we don't grieve. It doesn't mean that we don't embrace the ebbs and flows of living. But when we understand that that there's an impermanence about our life, things shift in the way we experience life. We certainly prioritize our time, our time differently. So with the Buddha, there's a writing in the Dhammapada that says, hatred does not cease by hatred, 
but only by love. This is the eternal rule. There's another one. This is attributed to Buddha. Uh, you yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. I want to say that again. You yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. Okay. So the first quote I said from the Dhammapada said that hatred doesn't cease by hatred, but only by love. This is the internal rule. Again, going back to our indoctrinated beliefs, you might think that this means love means we acquiesce to the hate coming towards us because I'm only going to show up in love. No, love can look like advocacy. Love can look like white people standing in front of the oppressed to say no hate can be that can come this way anymore to get in the line of those who are hurling the hate-filled words and insult to show up when people around our family dinner table are using horrible disgusting slurs towards marginalized groups or telling lies about them or stigmatizing them or using stereotypes and telling insulting jokes leading with love means deflecting that hatred by bringing other words into existence to show that that is not welcome here and then the last part of that is you deserve love and the effect and affection how do we the proverbial seat at the table how do you keep your seat at the table so that you give you the time and the restorative care that you need to be well to feel loved, to be nurtured, to be cared for. And sometimes we think that if someone isn't giving us permission to do that, we kick our seat out from the table because we got to give more, do more, love more, and it will be reciprocated when in reality, we're the keeper of that. We're the keeper. We deserve it. What do we need? That's the invitation of that teaching from the Buddha. Okay, let's move on to Rumi. So Rumi was a renowned Persian poet and mystic. So he he's a mystic from the uh, Islamic uh, arm of Sufism. And Sufism is this mystical branch of Islam. And he was deeply influenced by one of his spiritual mentors. And so he too was known to go into these almost euphoric states of awareness where he would then speak these teachings and his scribes would write them all down. And oftentimes his poetry is about universal love and unity. And you can see where they were, were problematic because once again, they're, they're the mystical arm of Islam. So you had these cultural and religious uh, boundaries tied into Islam and he's teaching a place where that it transcends above those cultural and ideologies. And so he often, in his writings, he often uh, emphasized the power of love to bridge the differences and unite humanity. So there's so much there. If you've never spent any time in, in Rumi's writings, I encourage you to, to do so. But let's look a couple of his quotes. The first one. Your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. Hmm. 
all the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. And we often do that when we feel that we are not worthy. And those feelings of unworthiness come from some indoctrination. Somewhere in our lives, someone has told us that we're not worth it, that we don't deserve it, that we don't belong. And so we resist it and oftentimes can't even see it when it's coming our way. I recently was teaching in a live about how oftentimes it is more comfortable to stay in an abusive, toxic relationship because it feels known. We're comfortable with that. We expect to feel that way, but feelings of unconditional love and acceptance and care and someone who actually cares for our well-being feels foreign. We don't know what to do with it. All right. One more from Rumi. Your task is not to judge what is right or wrong, but to love and be in love. Your task is not to judge what is right or wrong, but to love and be in love. How beautiful is that? So for those who lead with their spirituality with judgment, and you know who I'm talking about, the people who feel morally and spiritually superior to other people and have weaponized their beliefs, often that's the only way they show up. And you've heard this quote before, there's no hate like Christian love, because it's the same person who will say, uh, well, you're a heathen, but I love you and I'll pray for you. Like anybody's going to believe that. I recently just got into this situation with a Facebook just gets, becomes a hot mess. And a person came in and said, you're a useful idiot. You've weaponized the Bible. I'll pray for you. And he said a couple other things. I said, you realize you just epitomized what it means to say there's no hate like Christian love. And then he went unglued. He hit like 30 messages in a row. And I laugh. And I always am amused when I laugh because there was a time when it would hurt. There was a time when somebody who attacked me like that, it would feel like, oh my God, this is a personal attack. What have I done wrong? This man is so angered with me. He's going to turn around and tell all his church friends, what a horrible being I am. And I'm like, now like, whatever I, this man is pressed. I'm somehow supposed to be the fragile one. And look what just happened here. But it's a perfect example of someone who has no idea that he is leading his faith with hatred and judgment that can never be reconciled with authentic spirituality. I don't care what your preacher is preaching from the pulpit. There is no way that anyone's going to get a high five, even if there is a pearly gates. No one's waiting up there to give you a high five because you decided to post 50 comments back to me telling me what an idiot I am and let that be called love. So if we just hold that on, I can't do anything about this guy. I mean, I'm played with him for a little bit and then I blocked him, but I can control myself. So if I keep that as my mantra, that my task is not to judge about what is right and wrong. My task is to love that my ta that is my task. So what do I need to do to show up in love? And that's like a, the proverbial question that I carry into my life. That alone could be a b very powerful spiritual practice. All right, let's move on to Thich Nhat Hanh. And I hope that you have spent time uh, reading some of his, his writings because they are absolutely, absolutely wonderful. So he was a, a renowned Vietnamese Buddhist monk and a peace 
activist. He was known as a Zen master and spiritual leader. Uh, he engaged his Buddhism practices with social activism, and he very much was a, a peaceful advocate during the Vietnam War. Um, so he has several writings. I think the book is Being Buddha, Being Christ. It's a wonderful book if you've never read it. But here's one of his quotes, to love without knowing how to love wounds the person we love. To love without knowing how to love wounds the person we love. And that can also be internalized because again, because so many of us were indoctrinated with a concept of love that was more about taking away our power to understand what true love was because someone needed us to, to stay in obedience then we don't know how to love. We don't know how to take care of ourselves. That's why oftentimes we are in a self-deprecating relationship with ourselves. We don't need someone else to be toxic towards us because the toxicity we aim at ourselves is so bad that it, it paralyzes us. So understanding that there are things that we need to work on and, and, and look at that and, and, and really reflect on what does love mean to us and think about the various levels of our lives from our inner circle out to our outer circles. What does that look like? And where do I need to, what things do I need to work on? Here's one more from Thich Nhat Hanh. You must love in such a way that the person you love feels free. I love that. Love with condition is not love, it's condition. Love with suspicion, love with memories of the past that cannot be let go is not love. It doesn't mean you can't get to where you want to go if the desire is there, but it's a constant moving target that we want to keep moving towards. And that takes work. Gandhi also wrote about love. If you have never read about Gandhi, please do so. You know, he was India's leader in the independence movement. This quote from Gandhi, I absolutely love. Where love is, there God is also. Where love is, there God is also. And that is the absolute truth. Where love is, there God is also, which it's not talking about what you believe about God. It's not about you trying to contort your belief about God to fit just one narrative. It's saying that our humanity and how we respect one another and how we work for the good of the whole is more a reflection of the divine in us than anything else. Okay, uh, one more here. I wanted to share from the ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu, who wrote the Tao Te Ching, which is uh, a foundational text in uh, Taoism. And it, there's some beautiful writings there if you would ever want to read about that. But here's a quote. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength while loving someone deeply gives you courage. Being deeply loved by someone gives you strength while loving someone deeply gives you courage. That goes back to that concept of unconditional love and what, what that looks like. And in order for us to deeply love someone, we do have to have courage because you have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to show yourself in ways that maybe you haven't before. And that can be scary for 
for so, so many of us. All right. So in the blog, I went through a couple of uh, things about what it means to to live a life guided by love. And I just want to touch on those real quickly. The first one is embracing forgiveness. And I know forgiveness can be a very triggering word, especially for those of us who were taught that unconditional forgiveness meant that we forgive our abusers, regardless of the offenses and those relationships get fully restored. But forgiveness is about releasing the need to be bound by the harm done to us. How the relationship gets restored, if ever, is secondary. It's about the inward healing so that we're not bound to that harm. The second one is cultivating gratitude. And again, this is another tricky concept. I just said this earlier, gratitude, forgiveness, and love can be tricky depending on what your experience is with religion, especially high controlled religion. So gratitude can be this, a tricky concept because we may have been taught that gratitude prioritizes happiness, meaning we are to be grateful no matter what's going on in our lives. There's always something to be grateful for. And really gratitude is more about this inward facing thing to help us smooth out the edges. So if all we can do, if all we can manage is pause and breathe, even if it's just for a moment to say that I know I'm here and I matter, even though I don't feel it right now, I know I'm here and I matter. So I'm just going to keep breathing. If that's all we have that we can give, it can soften the edges of our existence to help us get through one more day. The third thing is radiating compassion, because this is not, this doesn't mean that we compassion is a segue into leading a life where we don't have boundaries. It means that we step out of our own lived experiences to understand where another is in their lived experiences. And right behind that is number four, choosing kindness because kindness, compassion, and empathy, they all go hand in hand. And kindness in this context is about developing your responses through the lens of respect and integrity. So in other words, what does this person need, not what I think they need? So making sure that we're showing up from a higher level of awareness, and that's what kindness does to us. And then the fifth one is practicing empathy. So empathy even moves us to our higher level of awareness where we have compassion in action and kindness where we're moving away from our self, our self belief that we only have, we know what people need that comes from our own place of entitlement to practicing empathy where we say, I'm going to give people permission to have their own story come to the, come to the table. I'm not going to say a word. I'm not going to act until I understand what is this person's story. Where are, they, where are they coming from? It goes past the pace like, hmm, I know everything I need to know about you just based on where you, where you look and the car you drive. I'm going to listen. I'm going to pause and I'm going to listen and I'm going to be as close to your experience as I can be. And number six is going back to this place of self-love, nurturing that and nurturing your self-care. And number seven is letting go of judgment and embracing acceptance. And that includes for ourselves. And this is... This is about empathy. We can, we let go of judgment and we embrace acceptance when we truly are practicing active empathy in every part of our lives. There'd be less Karen episodes in the world if people were truly coming from a place of empathy. Uh, number eight, fostering meaningful relationships. And I, I want to 
make sure that we start to think about relationships, just not in the physical proximity of people around us, because the internet and so much technology is giving us the ability to redefine what our relationships are like and finding our safe spaces. Sometimes your safe space is not with anybody within your physical proximity. It's out there and really nurturing those and being active in them. And number uh, nine, spreading love and joy through your acts of service. So how does this work that you're doing with kindness, compassion, empathy, releasing of judgment, how does that show up through the work that you are doing to help somebody? Number 10 is about surrendering. This is hard because that means we show up in a place of vulnerability. And vulnerability means that we have the capacity to probably get hurt again. And when that happens, what happens when we get hurt? Are we going to retreat and say, this is too painful? Or are we going to stand in this experience and say, I'm going to learn from this because I know I'm standing in my truth and I know this is the work I'm supposed to be doing. So I'll take this experience and turn it into power. And on that, I'll build a stronger foundation upon which I stand so I can show up in my life a better version of myself. Love beckons us to extend our kindness to the world around us. This is how we recognize this interconnectedness of everyone around us. It inspires us to perform acts of service and cultivate empathy and foster a sense of unity and shared humanity. Living a life guided by love requires constant practice and conscious choices. It is a daily commitment to embody love in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Choosing to live a life guided by love is a courageous and transformative experience, and it's hard work, but it is worth it. Now, remember, I started this podcast by talking about this beautiful human I just met named Jalon. Check out his podcast if you can and join us on this commitment to lead with love. Okay, beautiful souls. Thank you so much for listening. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on my YouTube channel, Spirituality Matters with Rev Carla. And you can also connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok and at my website at revcarla.com. And be sure to be checking out things happening there because you'll soon be able to see information on my live teachings, my memberships, and some upcoming courses. I'm so honored to be in this space with you. Go in peace, be at peace, go in love, and make May you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I'll see you soon.